We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Coming to America at the tender age of fourth grade. Don't know how old I was, 10. It was very apparent that I was a fob. For those who don't (laughs) understand, it's fresh off the boat. It's someone who literally just came to America from overseas. When you don't do those things for your parents or your family, when you don't put your family first, you then feel, I mean, I felt like a bad daughter. I felt like I was disappointing them. I knew what I could do to make them happy, but am I going to prioritize their happiness or am I going to try to prioritize mine? Welcome to Voice Hugs, a podcast on becoming your best self and embracing all seasons of life with open arms. This is your host, Viv and Ro. Hello. Hello, hello. I have a story to tell and it was actually a very, very sweet moment. I wrote it in my journal as like a really special thing that happened last month. So last a few weeks ago, actually, I was walking Charlie at a farmer's market after work. And usually when I take Charlie on walks, I'm stopped often because people want to know like, oh, like, can I pet your dog? What kind of breed is he? Oh my God, what's his name? And so as I'm walking through this farmer's market, I sense that someone is following me. And so I actually start walking a little bit faster because I was like, oh, I don't want to stop. But then I like really sense that this person's following me. So I just do a complete stop and I turn around and there's this like young girl. She came up to me and I thought, She was going to say, hey, like, what kind of dog do you have? You know, he's so cute. Mm -hmm. And she goes, are you Viv from Voice Hugs? And I was like, her jaw just dropped on video. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Sorry. (laughs) My jaw just dropped. And I just looked at her and I was like, oh, my God. Yes. This was the first time ever being stopped because of Voice Hugs. And I was just like in shock. So she was like, hey, I've been like listening to voice hugs and I'm like a huge fan. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so special. And she asked to take a photo. And I was like, no, I want a photo with you. (laughs) I was like, can you send me that photo afterwards? Like it was just so special. I went back to the farmer's market a week or two later because she was working one of the booths and she wrote both of us a handmade card and I'll show a little b-roll of that. It was super sweet and I just couldn't believe it and I ended up following her on Instagram and I'm gonna get coffee with her in a few weeks. (laughs) That is so sweet. I actually haven't seen the letter yet because I moved home and immediately came to Asia and Viv and I didn't get to see each other. There's a very different feeling of like meeting someone in person in real life based on them hearing your stories on a podcast, Mm. which is so intimate. You know, like I don't Mm -hmm. 
like if I was just someone who posted a lot of like pretty photos on Instagram I'd be like oh cool like you like my aesthetic eye or something like that like you like my style but then I think for someone to like recognize me and also recognize me because of my voice she heard me call Mm -hmm. Charlie and she was like oh my god that's Vivian (laughs) Like, I recognize her voice. It was, like, just so special. I think, like, that's partly why I wanted to, like, continue the relationship and, like, actually meet her and get to know her because that's what we wanted or that's at least, like, Mm -hmm. what I really wanted out of this, like, connection and stuff. And so to be able to do that was just so special. (laughs) Connection and community. Yeah. I'm very curious what you wrote in your journal that day or like with this event this little event i had a full therapy session about this as well and i actually cried because it was like so sweet to me and i mean now i feel like when this listener hears it she's gonna be like what you cried (laughs) (laughs) but um back to what i was saying about like someone listening to your stories and like on a podcast I feel like this is more of like who I am as a person, you know, especially in the context of our relationship. Our friendship is very real and very true in my life. And so the conversations that come out of it, it is very Vivian. And so for someone to see that and see me and make me feel seen and heard and understood, which is what we were trying to do for our listeners on the podcast, it was almost like this switch moment where in her card to me, she wrote about like all these instances or like stories that were shared throughout multiple episodes. And so it's like, wow, I felt like understood and seen by her. And so it was just so sweet and special because of that. When we first started Voice Hugs, I think a few of our pillars included connect for sure connection was a huge one and community was like an offspring to that you know like creating this sense of belonging and understanding and so to be able to experience that in real life quite honestly we're always just talking to our computer like we haven't even really recorded in real life exactly like 90 percent of the time I'm in a closet that's like tiny and so it feels very not lonely but like it's a very individual process and I don't get to engage as much. And so being able to do that with this listener, it's just really special. She actually submitted a question for us, an episode topic idea. And so we are going to dedicate this episode to this listener's topic slash question, which is how does your ethnicity and culture impact your life today? I feel like this is very timely because of the connection and the community where, yeah, I think a huge part of our ethnicity is about community. Yeah, and I think, you know, like how we identify ourselves when it comes to ethnicity and culture, we actually haven't really talked about that at all on Voice Hugs. So I think it'll be a fun new topic to chat about and hear about our similarities and differences of being Asian American and then even just like within the subcultures of like our ethnicity or like how our families came to America and the different impacts and influences that resulted in who we are today. (laughs) This reminds me of, do you remember like maybe five, six, seven years ago where growing up Asian American was a huge thing on YouTube? 
where like Jenim and then Wiley, mm. Sophie, like all the Asian American creators had a dedicated video on it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. My story is just a bit different. So I was like, yeah, I don't want to <laughs> create a video <laughs> dedicated on how I'm Asian American and like sound like I'm bragging. Anyway, you guys will understand why in a second. <laughs> we took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. I actually think there's a lot of um, benefits to sharing like different stories because mm. I guess we'll start kind of from the beginning. So we'll give some background and then I'll share a little bit more about like my realizations with my experiences versus someone like you who had a very different upbringing than myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so to start off, what is your ethnicity slash tell us a little bit about your upbringing and your background. Okay. Well, I'm Taiwanese American. I was born in the States and I spent my youth in America until maybe until I was like four or five years old. I moved back to Taiwan from I think pre-K to third grade and then I moved back to the States in fourth grade. So I always joke that my English isn't good and my Chinese also isn't really that good because I've missed both formative years. Like when you're learning grammar in grade school, like from first grade to third grade, I wasn't here. I also left Taiwan when I was third grade. So my Chinese also isn't that great. Uh, So that was the bullet points of my youth. What about you? Quick bullet points. Okay. Um, (laughs) So I always struggle when someone asks me like what ethnicity I am because I think my last name is Vietnamese, but my family is like Chinese born in Vietnam. So my grandparents had left China because of the communist war then and all left to different like Asian countries so my grandfather went to Vietnam and had my mom there and same thing happened with like my dad's side as well and so like culturally I think I definitely have a lot of Vietnamese influence but I can't say that I'm like Vietnamese either and then when it comes to like being Chinese I don't really know anything about China or like the culture of that either I feel like mine is just a blended unique group of like Chinese Vietnamese people who I've actually met a few people who are like have a similar background as me in Southern California as well like a lot of parents are Chinese they speak Chinese my mom speaks like five different languages but she's like not Vietnamese though she was born there Mm -hmm. so that's my ethnicity and then when it comes to like how my family came to the states that was because of another war so definitely i think like that experience of why they came here has influenced a lot of the mindsets that have been ingrained in me over the years yeah i think just any immigrates during wartime there's like probably a lot of trauma or like scarcity mindset that gets brought along with 
them and passed on to the next generation. I was born in Southern California and I actually grew up in a predominantly Caucasian neighborhood. I didn't really have Asian friends until high school and for sure in college. And so growing up, my idea of being Asian American was I thought all Asians in America came because of war. It was like so foreign to me to meet people in college like yourself where I was like, oh, like you can have parents who came here for school or like came here for college or they were already here. It was just so foreign to me. And so that was really when I started understanding more about how my experience itself was like unique to me and that being Asian American is not necessarily the same thing for everyone, which I think goes back to what I was sharing about your story of how, you know, whatever content was put out at the time, I think it's helpful to hear about how differences come up in like your mm-hmm. experience as well, because it exposed me at least to just other ways of being that I shouldn't assume just because you're Asian, you're like me, you know, like we're Mm. all different. And I'm projecting Mm -hmm. my experience onto someone else just because they like physically look like me. This difference isn't something that's like bad or whatever. It's just things Mm -mm. to be aware of or like new perspectives, different experiences. Yeah. Not to like assume someone understands you either, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, we're Asian. So we get each other. Like that's not Mm -hmm. necessarily the case. And if anything, I think that makes it you take another step to truly get to know someone as a person and ask questions where you get to know them, not just making these assumptions because of how someone looks. It's very deep what you just said. <laughs> can be applied to all facets of life. Yeah, and I think that's also why we probably didn't talk about being Asian. Like that wasn't like at the forefront of my mind when it came to voice hugs and creating episodes because I want to say that I just see it more as like we're all just people. And yes, if you have like a common identifier, maybe you share more similar experiences. But like for me, at least getting to know someone has more to do with like asking them about their story and being Asian can be a part of it. Even like with you, it's like, well, how did you, you know, go from here to there? Like, how did you feel being split between two very different cultures at such a young age? And that's like more of what I'm curious about rather than, oh, she's Asian. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, to answer your question, so with my family's immigration story, this is like super front of mind because I was just talking to all my cousins about it recently. It was during, I think it was after World War II, where like during or after there was a U.S. base in Taiwan. I actually just heard this story a few weeks ago. My grandpa being like the loving, caring, super compassionate, big-hearted man that he is. My grandparents didn't have a lot of money growing up. Like my parents, my mom definitely didn't have much money growing up. So like money was already an issue. And my grandpa still chose to save like a chunk of money to give to his little sister so that she can learn English and then maybe have a better life to the point where my grandma would be like, 
hello, we have five kids to feed. <laughs> like, I think、mm. there would be some like disagreements or arguments that will happen. But because my grandpa's little sister was able to learn English, she was able to work at this like. English club, I think it's called like the American something like ACC or something that I think still exists till this day in Taiwan. And she was able to meet an American soldier and they fell in love.、Mm. He moved her to the States. And I think back then, this is like, I don't know, like mid 1950s, 60, where if you have a family member that's a US citizen, you can bring over other family members. So My grandpa's sister brought over my grandpa, and then my grandpa brought over the rest of the family.、Oh. So, like, I don't think it was necessarily war. And I actually should have probably asked my mom what the real reason was. I think maybe it's just more opportunities, a different life, perhaps like a better life. That's what kind of got them to move over.、Mm-hmm. And when I was talking to my cousins about this, there's like 10 of us. If you think of The fact that had my grandpa not gone out of his way to provide for his little sister, then she would never have met her husband. And then our whole family would be here living a much different life under much different circumstances. That is wild. And、mm-hmm. yeah, I think there's just also like a little small tangent, something about traveling. I just love watching people, especially in Japan. Kind of like going about their day to day lives, their commutes, seeing what they're like, what they eat, what they're doing, how they commute, whatever, because it gives me so much perspective. Like, I wonder what my life would have been like if I grew up here versus Taiwan or versus America or versus like other, like any other country. That's my mom's immigration story. My dad just tagged along <laughs> <laughs> to kind of go back to your. Initial question, too, of what it was like growing up in two different places. I think it helped me to, at a very early age, see that there's different cultures. And I think because I spent a good chunk of my time in Taiwan, I saw what it was like being Asian Asian. <laughs> And so when I was in the States, instead of being like one or the other, It was easier to kind of understand that this is how people did things here versus there. It's not to say one is right or wrong, it's just different. Like the culture is different. And I think it also helped that I grew up with a bunch of cousins who are the same as me. And also, I grew up in a city going through the school system that was also predominantly Asian. So I think、mm-hmm. that also kind of helped. Like the word is like Asian ness. I was never really aware of my Asian ness because,、mm. yeah, because I think I just had so much experience and exposure to my culture. Like I actually lived in Taiwan, I lived the life, did the things, spoke the language. I think I was more fluent in Chinese than I was in English when I was younger. So,、mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's super interesting to me because I was like so aware of my. Asian-ness. Like, I felt like such an outcast until high school. And then, even in high school, I still wasn't aware that, like, oh, there are different types of Asians with different family histories and different backgrounds. And so, I don't know if that's why. I mean, I guess a lot of my friends now are Asian, but 
I definitely felt a sense of belonging after I started meeting more Asian people. What you were saying earlier about how like even though you were in Asia, Asia, and also here where you are surrounded by Asians, like I'm curious culturally, how does that influence like who you are today? Because I think for me, I was so aware of the Eastern culture of like putting your family first, your community, you know, like respecting your elders and just being polite and kind of obedient versus like what you see on TV with like Western culture of like it's very much about you and your needs and like you can throw tantrums and um <laughs> whoa what's that I would be beat <laughs> I remember one time my mom was like you need to stop watching Lizzie McGuire because this is a bad influence <laughs> on you and in my mind I'm like this is just a normal show <laughs> yeah mm. so I'm like curious what that was like for you because you are actually surrounded by Asians but culturally like you're probably able to feel it as well i think there's so many layers this is this topic is so nuanced i i'll start from more of like the like me as a person coming to america at the tender age of fourth grade don't know how old i was 10 it was very apparent that i was a fob for those who don't (laughs) understand it's fresh off the boat and someone who literally just came to america from overseas like in the grand scheme of things it didn't really bother me because the reason why i was different i knew why i was different it was because i was living another life so it was normal for me to not to feel like a little different or to maybe not be as fluent in the language So, like, I had to go to ESL, English as second language, for kids to, like, pick up on their English skills. Um, Mm -hmm. I, you know, went through the transition of not having friends and slowly making different groups of friends and eventually finding my group of friends and all of that. And I think this is, like, a very normal and universal feeling that I think a lot of Asians in America feel go through is there comes a point where it's like I just want to be like because I'm in America I just want to be like a little white girl you know (laughs) like the way that I dress the way that I talk the things that I eat and I think like my food preference is probably the most apparent thing where because I grew up eating I don't know Asian food all the time you know, like in college, it's like, what do you want to eat? Where do you want to go? Like on dates, you know, whatever with my significant other at the time, it was, I was like, oh, I want like American food. I want Italian food. I want non-Asian food because Asian food just didn't appeal to me until like my mid to late twenties. But I think if it's like about me and my culture and the person that I want to be that, I think, yeah, at an earlier age in elementary school, middle school, college maybe not as much anymore but like there's a part of me that's like I want to be American and there comes a point and I think all of our lives where you start feeling like okay well I'm not for as American as I try to be I'm not fully American and for as Asian as I try to be I'm not fully Asian because I can't fully speak the language my language skill is capped at a third grade level so what am I (laughs) you're kind of left in this in-between zone of you feel like you're in between cultures so I think that's kind of where I was at maybe like college 
when I was conscious enough to think about these things and to realize these things. And I think it was just a feeling that I had that I was aware of. It didn't make me want to do anything. It didn't make me feel less than. It didn't, there weren't any real feelings attached to it. It was just like, oh, this is interesting. Like, where is my sense of belonging? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the reason why maybe I was able to see this and not feel like maybe I had anything to prove or f- maybe feel like I need to figure it out ASAP was going back to like another layer of, you know, for as much as I grew up in Asia where the school system is rigorous. Like people talk about tiger parents here in America. I don't even know what tiger moms are called in Asia because they're all like school is the only thing that matters, Mm -hmm. which is why I think I'm so, so, so lucky where my parents just wanted me to be a good person. So they never put that pressure on me to be like a certain way. And we actually just talked about it recently when we're here on this trip where my parents are just joking they're like you know yeah we weren't straight a students so how could we expect you and your brother to be straight a students so i think because of their more chill parenting like for the record my mom is not chill but when it comes to academics she's very chill (laughs) so i think because of their more chill like parenting style when it comes to education it allowed me to explore things a bit more and allowed me to dream a little bigger Yeah. It sounds like from your experience, whether like you're Asian, like culturally, right? Like the influence that you had and also maybe even the culture within your family, there is just never this sense of like pressure to be put in a box or to like have to do things a certain way. It was more like, okay, this is what it is. And there was this space that you were given to then figure that out for yourself, like understand Mm -hmm. it on your own rather than someone saying like, oh, you're too Asian or you're not Asian or you're a fob or Mm -hmm. like whatever that was. It was just like, hey, I am these things. This is what's happening. Mm -hmm. And I have the freedom to kind of explore some of that and dream bigger. And that makes a lot of sense how you ended up in the career path and like the the place that you are now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like something you said just right now really resonated where it's like my parents kind of just gave me space to explore while also telling me and helping me understand that it's important for me to know my own cultural heritage so they let me do things they let me explore but they also helped me understand that because you are ethnically chinese taiwanese whatever that these are all the things that you I don't know, just like to to still remember where you come from and that it's Mm. a thing to be proud of rather than something to be, I don't know, anything other than proud or like maybe ashamed or something that maybe you need to hide. Because I'm pretty sure there are moments where I'm like, oh my God, why am I so Asian and you're missing in? And like, I just want to be more American. I want to do what other kids are doing. And they just would talk to me like an adult that like, hey, you know, this is great. You're in America. It's normal for you to feel this way. And that's fine you can do that but we just want you to remember also that you know here's all like the beautiful lineage and culture that you come from I kind of wish my parents did more of that with me because I feel very disconnected the influence that my ethnicity has had on me feels more like a reaction rather than an intentional 
rather than an understanding of like where mm-hmm. I come from. So Viv would love to hear from your perspective what it was like growing up in sunny Southern California in a predominantly Caucasian neighborhood. I was not proud of being Asian. I like wanted to fit in so badly and I like hated my hair. My hair was like slick straight. I hated my hair. I hated my eyes, everything. I just wanted this American life of, you know, like, and I think especially for me too, I I grew up in a house with 10 other people. So it wasn't like I had a dad that went to work or like a stay-at-home mom who's part of the PTA and would come help in the classroom. Like this was kind of the dream that I wanted. I don't think that has to do with like being Asian or not Asian, but I think at that young of an age, when you don't understand yourself in the context of the world and like your family's like history and their background as much as you do now as an adult I just felt very outcasted did other people actually like physically outcast me because I was Asian I don't think so I think it was more like an internal feeling of recognizing like oh there are differences here there's differences in what we eat in how your you know like I remember my friends had chores or like allowances I was like what are those like I don't have that and I just had to like focus on studying like I had to get good grades and I think that was kind of that's like what I mean by everything felt more like a reaction than an understanding of where I came from and it wasn't until I started meeting other people who had similar experiences so once I went to high school and college you just meet so many more people that are no longer in that neighborhood or like that area that you grew up in and that was more so when I started feeling proud not necessarily proud of where I came from but like I started to appreciate my unique experience in comparison to like how I felt of it when I was younger. Like, wow, it's actually really cool that I eat Asian food. I like use chopsticks. I remember feeling ashamed that like I was like, I want to eat with a fork. I don't want to eat with chopsticks. <laughs> um, but like, it's actually really cool that I can do both, you know, or that I'm exposed to other cultures in a different way than someone who, I don't know, maybe... Th- they're like fourth gen or like fifth gen in generation Mm -hmm. in um, America. And so part of that experience for me was I had to learn how my family's influence on me, like not family, but like their ethnicity and like where we came from. How did that impact the way that I'm living my life? Um, I mentioned earlier that my parents came because of the war and so because scarcity mindset was like such a big thing I grew up just valuing security and stability and so very differently from you like my parents pushed this idea of you need to find a stable and secure job like you need to find a career path that's safe and so I I studied accounting in college right like such a safe path for you you won't get fired I mean you won't lose your job everyone needs an accountant 
And so like even my job today, right? Like I work in the government and it's a very safe, secure job and dreaming big, taking risks is not something that I'm very used to. That's probably like one way that my background has like influenced who I am today. But at the same time, I think what's really great about all of this is that eventually you get to a point where you recognize like your patterns and you recognize your opportunities or your privilege or like the experience that you had and you see how it has impacted and influenced who you are as a person but you then have that choice to continue that or to shift it so for example what I was sharing earlier about the fear of taking risks and valuing stability and security. Now that I'm aware of how that has impacted my life decisions up until this point, I have a choice to either continue that because I like it, it feels safe, it feels comfortable, or I can start questioning like, do I want to continue down that path? Like, do I want this influence to still impact the way that I choose to go about like living life right and I think for me it was just learning how to take baby steps to become a little bit more true to who you are each year was I going to like quit my job and pursue something completely differently voice hooks full time (laughs) yeah like a lot of that still is ingrained in me you know that that fear like the family values like everything that has been passed down is still very much a part of me but all it is at the end is to be aware of what your experience has been like and what you want to do with that information I feel like something we've been talking about a lot when it comes to I would say most Asian families and I think like your upbringing too you shared that it's very community oriented family oriented the values all of that is about each other and also maybe even like making each other happy making each other you know whatever because you're living together because they're your parents versus the lizzie mcguire style (laughs) of very like independent individually minded where do you see yourself now and how do you find yourself navigating kind of I don't know, like, where are you on the spectrum? And are you happy with where you are? That was really hard for me because I think making my parents happy and proud is, like, such a huge thing growing up. It's like that quote from Mulan, like, bring honor to your family, (laughs) you know? Yes. And so a lot of that was, like, I need to do all these things to make mom and dad proud and to make mom happy. And at one point probably in my mid-20s was when I realized all of the decisions that I have been making up to this point was to make mom and dad happy and I myself am so unhappy so I think for me I kind of swung to the other side of the pendulum instead of taking these baby steps to be more true to myself I kind of almost avoided my family altogether I was like no I'm not gonna let this influence me anymore I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to move out and I'm going to just focus on myself. And I think with that, there's a lot of guilt that comes up. And I'm sure this is also very relevant for Asian American families too, where when you don't do those things for your parents or your family, when you don't put your family first, 
you then feel, I mean, I felt like a bad daughter. I felt like I was disappointing them. I knew what I could do to make them happy, but am I going to prioritize their happiness or am I going to try to prioritize mine as selfish as that felt? Um, yeah. Part of my journey, though, was realizing that you can't really be there for someone or love someone if you don't love yourself and if you don't take care of yourself. And so this idea of sacrificial love, which I saw between my mom and her mom and just different people in my different members of my family, I know that's ingrained in me, but I don't want to pass that down either like I don't want my kids to think that they have to make me happy and that that's the role I want to play as their parent to take care of myself and show them that they can also take care of themselves so I'm in an interesting place in like my family's like generations history whatever I'm trying to say because I'm kind of trying to break some of it Part of it is just that like we're in a different country now, you know, like you're not surrounded by the culture that is within another Asian country's culture. So yeah, but it's definitely a struggle feeling selfish versus like, you know, family's all about like giving and there's almost like no boundaries sometimes mm -hmm. with families and learning how do I put up, how do I say no to my mom? How do I not be there you know how do I choose mm -hmm. myself and not break that relationship with my family as well I think the interesting thing and what I found and kind of what we talked about offline before this too was that I'm, I can't speak for all of us but I think for us when we kind of go do our own thing maybe like you know the more individualistic path of like trying to figure out who you are what's important to you what you love, what you want to love, what you want to be proud of, all of these things, what your culture is, how you want to define culture as. The interesting thing is, I feel like for the most part, or at least I'm just going to speak for myself, that because my parents gave me so much space and they would sprinkle preferences here and there, like, oh, it would be nice if, you know, da -da -da. it would be nice, if da -da -da, especially like with like partners, right? I remember they mentioned in passing when I was in college, like, it would be nice if who you ultimately end up marrying could speak Chinese so that we can communicate with them. And instead of it being like, I want to do this because my parents want to do it. Like when they first told me that, I was like, whatever, like I'm marrying them. Like this is my relationship with my husband. I'm going to marry whoever I want. This is in college. And I think as I got out of college, as I started reconnecting with myself, with spirituality, with what's important to me, I think I ended up coming back to the same conclusion where I was like, okay, I love my parents. I love the relationship I have with my parents. And I will love to have one of the three criterias of what I want in a future husband to be that they can share in that relationship with them and share in that language. And so mm -hmm. even though it may seem in the moment that we are doing something that's more selfish. I think if we're very conscious and intentional about why we're doing it, it will ultimately lead us to where we need to be anyway. But I think that journey of choosing for ourselves 
of where we want to go on this journey and what bucket or what label we want to put ourselves under or if we even want to label ourselves maybe why do we need to label ourselves i think that's something that i realized of like why do i need to be asian or why do i need to be american why can't i just be me just be rowena Mm -hmm. who you know straddles both of these ethnicities and both of these identities and maybe that is my identity to be in the middle or to i don't know to create something beautiful you're one of like my few friends i think like asian american friends who later on in your life decided to reconnect with your roots i think Mm -hmm. i don't see that as much with maybe some of my other friendships and i wonder if it's because you had that space and that like openness and you were exposed to literally a whole other country at such a young age that it's more so a part of you than having never been to asia and just being born asian in america yeah so i think that's really special and that's cool and i feel like that would make your parents so happy too (laughs) and yourself like you are happy too (laughs) with that decision so with what we were sharing about towards the end of the episode i think guilt and shame is another great episode topic to talk about maybe even in the context of like family because where does that guilt or shame come from is it your shame or is it shame that has been passed down and put onto you which I don't know I feel like that there's a lot there that I would be curious to explore as well in a future episode this is such a loaded I mean not loaded but this was such a huge question you know like and it was so broad so if there is something specific that you guys would like to hear within the context of ethnicity and culture or maybe something even more specific about how that influences our lives please let us know you can always email us hello at voicehugspodcast.com or you can shoot us a dm at voicehugspodcast thank you again to my very special friend and listener who stopped me at the farmer's market i can't wait to get coffee with you and anyone else who i meet in the future (laughs) (laughs) Side note, I felt like we were friends. I even told her where I lived. And I was like, oh, shoot, this is a stranger who I just pointed, like, I just told her where I lived. But I felt like we were friends because of how we connected. Um, but yeah, I should I should be careful with that. Not that she was yeah. going to yeah, 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 hurt yeah. me or anything. <laughs> That's how close I felt to her. <laughs> yeah, I think we should, we can plan more in-person things around socal maybe later on this year yeah i'm getting so i stood up earlier to go tell my dad that we're finishing soon because he was listening to his news stuff and i got so lightheaded oh no i think it's time (laughs) poor bad it is time Yes, there's a huge time difference right now. I woke up at like 6.30 mm-hmm. to record and Ro is now touching midnight in Taiwan. So yeah, time for sleepies and good mornings wherever you are in the world. Yes. Thank you for joining us and we'll catch you in the next episode. What's up? What's